out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Green. Paper people, time out, time out, time out. Paper people. Hey, hey, hey. How goes it? Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Feeling a little like up dog. What's up dog? Not much. What's up with you? Ah, nailed it. That's brilliant. Oh yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish this podcast later. Let's take to the streets and see how many people we can yeah, get. Yeah. Let's just go around yeah. getting people with the up dog bit. This week we've got a special episode of Out of Paper. Out of Paper on the Streets. On the Streets. <laughs> We're going to run into people, talk to them, ask them what's up, dog. Oh, wait. No. I already ruined it. You'd ruin it? Yeah. Damn it. That's not how it works. All right. Well, let's just move on to news. 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 All right. Let's do it. If you're down. I am. You got more to say? I got nothing more to say. You got nothing more. Do you have anything more? Not off the top of my head. All right. Oh, actually, hey. I do have something. Hey. I have to clear it with her first, but my sister did a illustration of Dwight Schrute. Ooh. Inspired by this show. Really? So. Dwight Snoop. I just may put a link in our description for the show if any of our listeners want to check it out. It's pretty awesome. Nice. We can post it on Facebook, too, if we have permission to do so. We'll do that, too. I need to clear it. I need to clear it with her. Put it on Instagram. I can All over. We can make that our first post on Instagram. All over the internet. Yeah. Twitter. Tumblr. Yeah. Snapchat. Do we have a Tumblr? I don't think we have a Tumblr or a Snapchat or a MySpace. Well, dig. Do we have a dig profile? Dig. (laughs) There's a blast from the past. Vote? Is that still a thing? I've never heard of that one. I think that that was a, a place that people on Reddit navigated when they got kicked off of different subs for various reasons. Oh, yeah. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Was it called? Yeah, I don't remember. It's vote, V-O-A-T dot something. There was another I one. To it, there was I, think, an... I assume it's still there. Yeah. There was another one, too. I think it was called, like, SnapZoo. SnapZoo. Something like that. Let's and... get registered on SnapZoo. <laughs> I joined it for a minute, checked it just, like, every couple days to see, like, how active it was nobody was ever doing anything on there that reminds me of the early days of what was google's google plus oh, google plus yeah I remember that <laughs> yeah. we were all we all joined google plus and it was invite only we were road tripping it's gonna be the new thing yeah we were road <laughs> tripping across country when you were moving to seattle and i wanted to post all of our photos on google plus mainly Is that the plan <laughs> yeah mainly because uh facebook compresses all of your image files whereas google plus let you post uh, everything in full resolution which of course at the time i had this like new camera i'm like of course i want everyone to see my my images in full right like 16 megapixel resolution which is absurd that's what everybody wants <laughs> yeah i mean nothing makes me happier than when i click on an image link and it takes a good 20 seconds to load exactly. yeah right <laughs> at least <laughs> brings you back to the old dial-up days where it's like the top of the image yeah loads and then maybe the middle mm-hmm. and then finally the bottom oh the good old days yeah yeah i do miss those days <laughs> do you no no not even a little bit <laughs> I much prefer downloading things at like 40 megabytes a second nowadays. Right. It's infinitely I, I kind of miss the novelty and the Wild West nature of the internet from those days. Yeah, that it's was not, fun. It's not really like that anymore. No. I don't know if uh, Facebook Messenger or any of the chat clients I use to talk to people have any weird insertable lines of code to open up their disk drives, assuming they have one. <laughs> 
Right. Which they probably don't nowadays. No. Yeah. I don't think I've had a CD drive or disk drive of any kind on a computer for at least a good four or five years. Yeah, it's been a long time. There was one on this on the computer I use on my TV, but I ended up just disconnecting it and putting in another hard drive. Yeah. So. I mean, what good is it nowadays? The USB, you know, that's all you really need. Yeah. All right, news? Yes, I'm ready for news now. <laughs> all right, so we got a couple things in news, unless you found any. Uh, first of all, it is today, the day we are recording this episode, which is Tuesday, June 25th. Yes. It is Angela Kinsey's 48th birthday. Happy birthday, Angela. Yeah. It is your birthday. It is. And I think that's enough. It's not like she cured cancer or something. So, you know, let's just move right on. And, you know, it's 48. Yeah. We'll make a big deal about it in a couple of years, Angela. <laughs> we'll see you then. Indeed. <laughs> Friend of the show, Angela Kinsey. One day. One day, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and the next bit of news I found was that Jenna Fisher visited the Shy Wolf Sanctuary with her family and uh, made a post on social media about it to raise awareness of what they do, who they are, and uh, to hopefully raise some funds for them. I don't know if you saw anything about that. Seems very against the nature of a wolf to be shy. It does. It might just be a name. <laughs> oh, so this isn't a facility that helps wolves with their confidence? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Although that might be part of what they do um but let's see it looks like she posted on instagram and she wrote uh she posted a picture next to a wolf and wrote my family had the chance to tour at shy wolf sanctuary during our recent trip to naples florida our homeland shout out florida yeah. not naples specifically but florida we, we got people in naples did we yeah no not we you have people in naples well i'll cut this i can't think of anyone i'll cut naples. this but melissa and her family live in naples oh we do have people in naples we do yeah Hey, Melissa. Hey, Melissa. <laughs> All right. Miss uh, you. Yep. <laughs> Miss so much. Miss you so much. <laughs> I do. Yeah, me too. All right. All right. Maybe this will get to her one day. Maybe. I thought we were going to cut it. <laughs> well, I didn't want to name drop her and then... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how I feel when it comes to editing well, We time. already said her first name. We might as well say her last name and her family's address. No, no. Phone number. No doxing. We can put a picture in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> this is our friend Melissa. Have you seen this woman? Um, She is our friend. <laughs> Give her a hug for us. Yes. Well, moving on from that. Um, yeah, the next... Uh, so, during their recent trip to Naples, Florida, our guide Teresa knew every rescue story and taught us so much. The volunteers cared deeply for these animals. The wolf dog in this photo is Mohan. While we were able to interact with him, most of the others were too shy, nervous, or unpredictable for direct human contact. So, there you go. They hey. do help them with their confidence. All right. Or they at least take in wolves that have confidence issues. But yeah, anyhow, so it looks like this, as she says in her next line, most are rescues from people who thought a wolf or a wolf dog would make a good pet. Please do not buy a wolf or a wolf dog as a pet. These beautiful animals belong in the wild, not in our homes. Also, they have a panther. They're hoping to raise funds to move to a larger piece of land. You can find out more at Shy Wolf Sanctuary. So yeah, it's pretty neat that there is a place because, you know, people do that from time to time in a misguided attempt to have a wild animal as a pet. Indeed. And yeah, I imagine you would need a place to put those animals after they're rescued from that situation because you probably can't just plunk them into the wild. They've oh, been yeah. changed and won't be able to adapt. I went to a big cat habitat in uh, Tampa, I think, mm -hmm. and similar situation where, you know, people with a lot of money are like, oh, I want to get a panther as a pet. And then the cat grows up and it's like, why did I get a panther? as a pet yeah this thing is terrifying it's gonna eat me in my sleep neighbor comes home smells something horrible coming from next door <laughs> panthers killed the person <laughs> due to a lack of recognition <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a problem. I feel like that's, uh, you know, people do that with, like, different kinds of apes and monkeys as well, and it's yeah. just always a problem. I mean, we can dive straight into tragic stories involving that, but let's just, you know, breeze on past it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's cool with you. Yeah. All right. Don't buy wolves as pets. Don't. Don't do it, people. Don't do it. No matter how much you want to, it is a bad idea. Yes. And that is the really the only message of this podcast. If there's anything to take away from everything we've done so far, don't buy a wolf as a pet. That's what we've been trying to get across this whole time. This whole Not time, in so many yeah. words. I don't know why we've had such a hard time, you know, really, no, really we, capturing the essence of our we message. We really got but... off the rails by summarizing 18 episodes of The Office. <laughs> And going into the details of all the actors and actresses and the, the writers and directors when really our only message this yeah. whole time has been don't adopt wolves or wolf pups. <laughs> We've just been using the popularity of the show as a vehicle yeah. to promote this message. And so. now finally, thanks to Jenna Fisher, we've <laughs> been able to come back around to what really our only point is. Yes. <laughs> so thanks, Jenna. But yeah, good message. Uh, I guess we can put a link in our show notes to a sure. article or her Instagram post. We'll help the cause. Yeah. So good stuff. It's good to see she's active and uh, helping. Indeed. Yeah. So you wanna you wanna move on to this thing? Jump into that episode. Let's get this thing going. Yeah. What do we got today? We got the secret. Shh. It's a secret. That's a secret. <laughs> It is the 13th episode of the second season of The Office and the 19th episode overall. 19th overall! Boom, boom, boom! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepinski, who uh, we know from previous episodes. Indeed. And it was directed by Denny Gordon, who we do not know from previous episodes. No. It aired on January 19th, 2006, and was viewed by 8.7 million people. We're slipping. Ouch. And, uh, How? How, after the booze cruise and the injury, do you lose viewers? I don't know. I'm befuddled over here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's thanks to Denny Gordon. I doubt it. No. Um, seems like she did a fine job. Indeed. Let's meet Denny Gordon. Let's. Denny Gordon is a film and TV director. Uh, looks like she's directed a number of things besides this and one more episode of The Office coming up in a couple episodes. She has directed Ally McBeal, The Practice, White Collar, Party of Five, Hell on Wheels, Sports Night, Burn Notice, Grounded for Life, Waco. Where's it pronounced? Wacko. It's Waco. Yeah, I think it's Waco. Uh, Thailand, Exotic and Delicious. Not sure what that is. Sounds interesting. Uh, Do you know? I think that's a food network. Or no, I'm thinking of Weird Eats or whatever that guy is. Oh. I mean, it does sound like a food network type thing, considering it has delicious in the title. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, And various other series. She's also directed the feature films New York Minute, Joe Dirt, and What a Girl Wants. Oh. Yeah. Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. That's really interesting. Yeah. I loved that movie as a kid. Me too. Great one. And Michael Scott loves what a girl wants i never i mean i don't want to sound sexist by saying this but i never would have imagined that that movie was directed by a woman yeah you know i'd say that's fair yeah really the I one never gave it much thought either way but yeah <laughs> if i had to just guess yeah i would have assumed yeah maybe a larger heavy set southern right. gentleman yeah exactly yeah so now i'm just getting very specific with my assumptions <laughs> but 
but I myself am a larger heavyset Southern gentleman, so I, I can make that call. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on you, Denny Gordon. I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, it looks like in 2000, she won the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Music Variety, Musical Variety, for an episode of the HBO series Tracy Takes On. And uh, yeah, that's that's about all we have on her. My uh, older sister represented Tracy Ullman. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe she knows Denny Gordon. Possible. Let's get your sister on the phone. <laughs> Let's patch her into the podcast. How come we haven't had your sister on the podcast yet? What's going on here, Rob? Yeah, we're kind of estranged. No, okay. Well, now I feel awkward asking. No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is Denny Gordon. <laughs> um, move on to the episode. Let's do it. All right. We start with a cold open here. Uh, we see Jim at Pam's desk, and he is finishing up a joke with her. We, I think, the scene begins in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, and, I think uh, he's just saying, "I don't know what's up with you." And Pam, yeah, and then. Pam Pam laughs, laughs and yeah. says, oh, yeah, that's good. And she, yeah, she's like, oh, I walked right into that. Uh-huh. And uh, we see Michael come in, and yeah, I actually <laughs> wrote in my notes, I guess you'll see, uh, to do what we did earlier in the podcast oh. right here. <laughs> But that's cool. I was thinking about suggesting we do it earlier anyway. Yeah. So just as well. We had a similar cold open. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so they follow our cold open, definitely inspired by our work. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, Michael asks Jim uh, what the joke is. Jim asks him if it's just him or it smells like updog. Michael asks, what's up, dog? He says, nothing much. What's up with you? And Michael loves it. Yeah. So over the moon. Takes him a second. Yeah, it takes him a second. He thinks it's brilliant. Yeah. And he immediately sets upon his quest to entertain his employees with it. And, yeah. uh, first up is Stanley. Goes over to his desk, and Stanley is in the middle of a phone call. He interrupts him to ask him if his jacket, what's his jacket made of? Is that updog? Stanley says, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. And uh, just covers the receiver and kind of yeah. inches away from Michael. Michael gives up and leaves. Uh, we see Michael enter the break room where Ryan is pouring a cup of coffee. And Michael says, hey, what flavor is that? Updog? And Ryan says, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Michael is very overeager. He says, I don't know. Nothing. What's up with you? <laughs> I just kind of stares at him awkwardly. Yeah. Says, what? Yeah. Michael's damn it under his breath and yeah. walks out of the room. Uh, next, we see uh, the end of an exchange with Kevin where Kevin's saying, what does that mean to Michael? He says, what does what mean? He says, that thing you just said. Michael says, oh, forget it. Moves on to Dwight, who walks into the office. And uh, he goes up to Dwight and brings him uh, the original Jim question. He says, hey, is it just me or does it smell like updog in here? And Dwight finally responds the right way. He says, what's up, dog? And Michael gets super excited and shouts, gotcha. Gotcha. And then realizes his mistake. Yeah. And... Tries to save himself by asking Dwight, uh, how you doing? Yeah. And Dwight seems genuinely pleased. and Oh, he's, you know, he's very stoked that Michael excited. is yeah. engaging him immediately upon entering the office. And it's like, he's got a very funny tone, a very genuine, gentle tone. Mm-hmm. Just like, not too much. What's going on with you? <laughs> What's up with you? <laughs> and Michael just uh, gets upset and storms off into his office. Just forget it. <laughs> Camera pans to Jim and Jim's yeah. so going like, motion oh, with his fingers. This close. This close. This close. <laughs> you just couldn't execute the joke. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, from here we go to the credits, and then the episode starts in proper. So yeah, we see, uh, after the opening song, the episode shows us a montage of people cleaning around the office. We see Kevin throwing a whole bunch of files and folders into a waste bin, missing some of them as Angela looks on frustrated. 
<laughs> we see Kelly picking up a whole bunch of star magazines and different other kinds of celebrity rag mags from under her desk and stacking them up. We see Meredith looking around for what to do with an empty whiskey bottle. <laughs> and then we see Michael and Dwight in Michael's office and Michael is explaining it's spring cleaning in January. And he's not an idiot, but you do your spring cleaning in January. Guess what you don't have to do in the spring? Anything at all. <laughs> He goes on to say, they say a cluttered desk means a cluttered mind. And he says an empty desk means, <laughs> Dwight cuts in, an empty mind. An empty mind. <laughs> For being stopped by Michael, he says that's not what he was going to say. And Dwight just kind of looks at the camera and gives it this little shrug. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense to him. <laughs> uh, from here, we see Dwight in the main bullpen of the office. And he's listing off chores to the people near him. He assigns Meredith. <laughs> I always found this really funny. The men's restroom makes sure she replaces the urinal cakes because they are worn down. <laughs> Kevin is assigned to the file drawers, which seems appropriate considering what we've seen of him so far. Angela is assigned to the kitchen and Oscar is assigned to dusting, at which point Dwight notices Oscar is not present and asks Angela where he is. Angela tells him that he's out sick and they both uh, agree that that's unacceptable that and share an unacceptable. intimate shared look at their joint yeah. displeasure at Oscar's absence. <laughs> They do. They like stare at each other and just like the slightest grin just yeah. happens on both of their faces. And, and they kind of hold that. Yeah. Until Kevin, <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> And then Dwight just silently just doesn't answer him and abruptly leaves. Yeah. And uh, from here, we have a clip of what comes next. Michael. Yes. Oscar is out sick. On a Friday? Can I do some of the talking? I will do the talking. Okay, let him know that I'm here. Hello. What difference does it make whether you're here? Hello? Hi, Oscar, it's Michael. And Dwight. Yeah, um, heard you were under the weather. Yeah, I think I came down with the flu. Really? Oh, that is a shame. You know, it's cleaning day here today. Could have used some of that famous Hispanic cleaning ethic. Yeah, I feel terrible about it. Ask him his symptoms. I'm on WebMD. What are your symptoms? I have the chills, mm -hmm. I'm feeling nauseous, and my head's killing. Checks out. Michael, is there anything you need from me? I'd like to go back to bed. I need you to go to bed. I need you to get better. See you Monday, unless you're still sick. So have a great long weekend. I'll just be sleep. Okay, first impressions. He sounded sick. Which is exactly how you'd want to sound if you wanted someone to think you were sick. That's exactly what I was thinking. Question. May I investigate? Yeah. Drop what you're doing. Make this a priority. Because an office can't function efficiently unless people are at their desks doing their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I love the look on Michael's face when he says, yeah, drop everything you're doing. Make this a priority. Yep. <laughs> it's not even a question. No. Yeah. <laughs> very important i also love how he uh just hangs up on oscar in the middle of saying that he'll just be in bed Sleeping, resting. yeah <laughs> checks out <laughs> what's hilarious about that is he's on speakerphone speakerphones are notoriously sensitive mm -hmm. so all of that typing and everything dwight was saying was coming through probably perfectly clear on Oscar's totally. end. yeah <laughs> so i'm on webmd ask him what his symptoms are <laughs> 
And it is the flu. It's hardly anything any normal person would even need to look up the symptoms for. Right. Yeah, so moving on from here, we go back to Pam's desk. We see Kelly at the desk now, and uh, Pam is telling her that she bought her veil, and Kelly is very excited about that. And she asks Pam if she could be a bridesmaid, and Pam starts to kind of get to letting her down gently, and and she says, don't think about it now, and just (laughs) cuts her off and asks uh, how she plans to wear her hair. Pam says she's thinking of wearing it down, and she undoes her ponytail and brushes it down on her shoulders. and Fluffs it up a little bit. Yeah. Kelly says she looks like an angel, and Michael comes out of his office and goes... Wowie, Mikey, Mikey likey. <laughs> Why don't you wear your hair like this all the time? It's yeah. much sexier. Jim and, also is watching them as this is going on and yeah. kind of checking out Pam with her hair down. Mm-hmm. I mean, she looks pretty amazing. Uh, indeed. Yeah. And yeah, immediately after Michael says that, Pam collects her hair and puts it up again. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh Michael walks by Jim and just as he's walking says, not very quietly, I feel like Pam would probably have been able to hurt hear oh, this, yeah. but for the sake of the episode, she doesn't seem to hear it. Yeah. Dwight and Phyllis and probably even Stanley. I feel like everyone would have heard this. Yeah. Michael just says, wow, you know, it must be torture for you and just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from here we have yet another clip of, yeah, Jim uh, getting up from his desk and... Going to have a talk with Michael. little chat. Yeah. Yeah, on the booze cruise, I told Michael about some feelings I used to have for Pam. I had just broken up with Katie and had a couple of drinks, and I confided in the world's worst confidant. Okay. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jim Bag. Remember that thing I told you on the booze cruise about Pam? That was personal. So if we could just keep that between you and me, that would be great. Really? Mm-hmm. Who else knows? Nobody. Wow. Jim and I are great friends. We hang out a ton, mostly at work. But the fact that he told me his secret and no one else says everything about our friendship. And it is why I intend on keeping that secret. For as long as I possibly can. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from here, uh, Michael tells Jim his lips are sealed, <laughs> signed, sealed, delivered. He starts singing, or he doesn't sing. No, it's, it's a different song. It's, it's, a different it's, song. it's a different song, actually, by the band The Go Go's called "My Lips Are Sealed." Ah, but Michael mistakenly says that it's by the band The Bangles. Oh, nice. <laughs> I also noticed, I wrote in my notes, that uh, when Jim enters Michael's office after the talking head and he says, hey, Jim Bag, we see behind his desk that Michael appears to be playing with a magic wand in one hand and a golf ball in the other, which factors later into the episode. Interesting. Uh-huh. I didn't catch I, that. I never caught that until this last watch through and then huh. put it together with, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it later when it comes up. But yeah. He, he has the conversation with Toby about what he can expense, not. Right. So yeah, from here uh, we cut back to Dwight. I guess now he's uh, going to work on his special project, the Oscar investigation. He approaches Ryan, tells him that he cannot work on spring cleaning. Something else came up. Asked Ryan can head it up. Ryan responds, he thinks he can handle it. Dwight asks him, does he think or does he know? (laughs) 
He says, I think. I think. And Dwight goes, oh, God. <laughs> Just tosses him the clipboard. <laughs> I like that when Ryan says, I think. He's kind of almost like giving Dwight like a, what are you going to do about it, bro? Yeah. Like, kind of look. like. <laughs> and I, I feel like Ryan is the kind of person that's literal enough that he knows what Dwight's looking for when he asks that question. Uh-huh. And he's just going to give Dwight what's a genuine, realistic answer, regardless of what Dwight's looking for. I also feel like that if he had replied, I know, that Dwight would have been like, you only think you know. Probably. Do something like that. <laughs> hand him the clipboard, walk away. <laughs> All right, temp. See what you got. <laughs> I also uh, jotted down a note that when... Dwight approaches Ryan and brings up that he's working on something else. We can see through a page of his open notebook that he's sketched himself out a badge for the Oscar investigation. (laughs) (laughs) That is ridiculous. It's being very thorough. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised he's not like an insurance claim investigator. Yeah. That would be like the perfect job for Dwight. It really would be. (laughs) Well, I guess he does uh, some PI work on the side, his normal duties. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got a lot on his plate. He's a farmer. He's a paper salesman. Yeah. He looks after a giant extended family. He runs a bed and breakfast. Volunteer sheriff. Volunteer sheriff. Neighborhood watch. Karate lessons. Jack of all trades. Yeah. I think Dwight exists in a time warp where his days last like 85 hours <laughs> and he's awake for about at least 60 of those hours. Right. Kind of jealous. I don't know how he does any of that stuff. I know. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, from here, we have uh, one more clip. A lot of clips this episode, but none of them are that long, and it's just a lot of good stuff that seemed like it would be kind of a lot to get through through exposition. Good things. Good things. Good things. Hey, what you getting? I'm going with grape. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. So, uh, what's 411? Any updates on the uh, the P situation? I don't know what you mean. P A M P A? Okay. No, it's okay. We're talking code. What is? Listen, Stan, you know, how long does it take you to pick out a soda? I'm going to take off, actually. All right, well, cool. Psilocyte? Hmm? Peach iced tea. You're gonna hate it. (laughs) Oh man. You know, I noticed that up to this episode, and maybe it's not like a stark contrast after this scene versus before it, but Stanley doesn't seem to have as much disdain for Michael as he does moving forward up to now. That's a you good think point. The peach iced tea is maybe the breaking point. It could have played a big role. It's funny because I was just going to say, if it were anybody other than Michael, there's no way Stanley would have taken that lying down. No, not he would at have, all. He would have demanded that they give him some more money to get another 
drink. And it's not only did someone push the button to hurry him along, they purposefully pushed the button on what, they, in their opinion, is the worst drink specifically so that Stanley won't like it. That's when so Stanley true. doesn't even know what, what's going on, like why <laughs> this is happening. No, yeah. He didn't even really seem to pick up on the fact that Michael was spelling out Pam. No, I don't think he was paying any attention until no. Michael said, it's okay, it's code. Yeah. <laughs> And even then, he was only very mildly interested. What's what is okay? <laughs> Peach iced tea. Yeah, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> I love the just spiteful look in Michael's face as he says it too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Stanley has no idea why Michael's angry. No. <laughs> oh poor Stanley. <laughs> so uh, yeah, from here we cut back to Dwight at his desk and he is now on the phone with Oscar asking why Oscar missed his phone call when he called six minutes ago. And then he looks at the camera very smugly when he says, Oh Oscar. So sounds like you're too sick to come into work, but you're feeling well enough to go to the pharmacy. And uh, from here we get a talking head with Dwight where he's (laughs) explaining there's several ways to determine if someone's lying and then goes on to quote what basically every adult human I think knows are telltale signs for lying. You know, sweating, mm-hmm. fidgeting, touching your face a lot, not making eye contact. No direct eye contact, yeah. And uh, then he goes on to say, unfortunately, he only spoke to Oscar over the phone, so none of those signs are really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I love the look on his face after he says that, too. It's almost like... I don't know how to describe it. It's like he's speaking with authority as he's describing how to spot a liar. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he's he's like, well, none of this really helps me because I'm talking to him on the phone. Yeah. I don't know. It was just a funny change in facial expression at the end there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, from here, we cut to Michael ambushing Jim yet again. This time as Jim is grabbing some stuff off the supply <laughs> shelf and he still has his uh, soda. That's right. And Michael walks up and says, it's grape soda. <laughs> Tony the Tiger. You don't hear that much anymore. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, from here, Dwight comes in and is upset about what he sees and decides <laughs> to interrogate Michael. He says, what's going on in here? Fact. <laughs> You're drinking grape soda. You never drink grape soda. Fact. You're talking to Jim. You never talk to Jim. (laughs) Michael turns around and responds, Fact. I love grape soda. I always have. Fact. Jim and I are great friends. We talk all the time. We tell each other secrets. Uh, Dwight immediately gets very interested, asks what the secret is, and Jim butts in and says that he asked Michael if he could head up the Oscar investigation, and Michael said that only Dwight is capable doing that and uh (laughs) as he says this to dwight he reaches across michael and sticks a purple sticky note on his chest yeah and uh yeah michael it's he's turned to jim as jim is saying this and the second that jim makes up this lie michael just gets this look on his face just like a kid that's been let in on a big secret yeah he's just so happy to be part of deceiving dwight Mm -hmm. just part of something (laughs) very excited and uh yeah, Dwight uh, takes the sticky note off and tries to he sticks it back on Jim and Michael turns to Dwight and uh, Dwight asks Michael to confirm Jim's story and Michael <laughs> cannot hold it together at all. He is 
But in spite of, he's, so he, he's just, is very blatantly lying. He's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> His just, eyes are darting all over the place, anywhere except Dwight's eyes. Well, at first they are, but then he makes eye contact with Dwight right bit. after it. Brief. But I feel like when he starts talking, he's looking all over the place, but when he starts talking, I don't he's, know. I, I thought it looked like he was making, at least my takeaway was the brilliance of it was that he, didn't do any of the things that Dwight mentioned specifically as he was speaking to uh, Dwight in that montage, but in spite of not doing those things, it could not be any more obvious that he's lying. <laughs> but because it like didn't check off those very specific boxes for Dwight, he says, I know you're telling the truth, Michael, I can tell. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Before he starts talking, he's kind of looking all over the place, looking for an escape from the room. Yeah. But I don't know. I I mean, I mean, in my memory, he's doing it throughout his confirmation. Okay. I would say check it out again. And like every, I, I looked for that specifically. Let's do it right now. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. To the videotape. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I take it back. You're right. Michael's eyes are darting all over the place the whole Rob time. Wins the debate. Yes. But yeah, it's great. And it Point. is funny. It's funny that Dwight. Rob. It's funny that. <laughs> It's funny that Dwight, after that talking head, talking about like how to spot a lie, that he still doesn't pick up on the fact that Michael's. You know. Yeah, and I and I feel like anybody who has a normal, just any normally functioning person, yeah, regardless of if they know anything about lying or not or how to spot a liar, can tell Michael's <laughs> lying right there. So true. <laughs> I think it goes against so much of Dwight's internal narrative that he's built up around michael that like it doesn't even matter that those telltale signs are there it's just yeah <laughs> any like when it comes to michael it's just a total blind spot for dwight's investigative prowess it's true yeah <laughs> um so yeah dwight leaves him completely <laughs> uh and yeah from here we uh Dwight leaves as Jim sticks one final sticky note on the back of his shirt yeah. that he was struggling to get. I love that. That was actually really <laughs> brilliant on Jim's part because it's just like divert and distract in uh-huh. like two <laughs> different ways at once. It was, it was masterfully done. And he also stuck it in a place that would be very hard to reach with your arms. <laughs> yeah. It's just right in the middle of Dwight's back, like underneath one of his arms, just right where there's no hand that mm-hmm. naturally gets there without stretching awkwardly. We've been doing that at work with uh, ah. just random strips of vinyl. Oh, nice. As we walk by, people just gently laying it on like, the back <laughs> of their shirt so that they don't feel it. It's very impractical jokers of you guys. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. See how many things of vinyl you <laughs> yeah. can stick to someone. I got two on my manager today. Nice. That's pretty good so far. He did did catch me on the second one. I'll give him that. You got to start getting more complicated with it. Like stick a Sharpie to a strip of vinyl and see if you can like hang (laughs) Sharpies off of your coworkers without them noticing. I like that. (laughs) All right. So, uh, and yeah, if you do it, you know, let me know. I'll stop by. I'll bring some gold (laughs) yogurt lids and award them. All right. And uh, Yeah. yeah. Let's do this thing. <laughs> so anyhow, back to the episode. Uh, Michael compliments Jim on how slick he was back there with Dwight <laughs> and asks Jim out to lunch. Jim says he's probably just going to you know, sit in the break room and eat his ham and cheese sandwich mm-hmm. that he brought. And Michael says, okay, well, you know, how about instead of going out, we could spread out a picnic blanket in the break room, order up some za, 
talk about the pee situation. <laughs> and Jim says, you know what? Let's go out. That sounds good. And Michael glowing says he knows just the place. Of course. And uh, from here we cut to Michael and Jim who are now sitting at a table in Hooters. <laughs> Michael tells Jim that he should order milk. Get it? <laughs> And uh, we get a talking head with Michael in the hallways of the Hooters, and he's saying that, uh, why do I like Hooters? You know, I like it for a couple reasons. As he says this, a random waitress walks by him, immediately detracts all of his attention. He just stares after her before going back to the camera. Yeah. And says uh, he likes it for the boobs and the hot wings, and then just <laughs>, laughs like a child. Yeah. Until the scene cuts. <laughs> And uh, from here, we cut back to Michael, back at the table with Jim, and we have another clip. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Bogey at 3 o'clock. Hi. Hey, I'm Dana. Welcome to Hooters. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Hello, Dana. I am Michael, and this is Jim, and we are brothers. Nope. I'm not brothers. I'm his boss, actually, and I treat him well. I'm taking him out to lunch. Because I can afford it, and he can have whatever he wants. Can I just have the ham and cheese sandwich? Thanks. And for you? Tell me, Dana, how is your chicken breast? Oh, it's great. It's served with our world-famous wing sauce. Mmm, sounds yummy. I will have a chicken breast. Hold the chicken. Oh. <laughs> is that what you really want? No, I'm going to have the gourmet hot dog. Great. Jim's reaction. It's great. I, so I love both when he just orders the ham and cheese that he was planning to have mm -hmm. anyway, and the oh, <laughs> so pain. I know. As soon as Michael asks, How's your chicken breast? Jim, oh, he knows. Jim yeah. just starts shaking his head no immediately at mm -hmm. Michael. Like, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. But of course, Michael can't help himself. Oh, no. I love how quick Jim is to shut him down. You know, Michael being like, we are brothers. Nope. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that was actually a callback to... Bob Packer. Yeah. The, was it the Christmas episode? Or maybe it's the first episode we meet. I think it's the first time we meet him where Michael Packer, is yeah. relaying an anecdote about how, yeah, he and Todd met these twins at a bar and Todd That's told right. them that they were brothers and then he did both of he them. He did both of them. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> man <laughs> yeah it's funny i never uh had picked up that that was a a callback oh really until this watch through yeah oh wow oh yeah i mean who did you know that's i feel like in michael's eyes packer's the coolest person that he's ever met oh yeah so i think he sees all the best parts of his personality or things he's taken from packer <laughs> which is just a whole it's, mess it's awful yeah <laughs> Um, so from here we cut back yes. to the... <laughs> I love this scene. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is some great Dwight. <laughs> yeah, back at the office. Uh, Dwight is now at... Everyone's at Pam's desk this episode. Not it's a hot just, spot. Yeah, usually it's just Jim, but this week it's everyone. Popular place. Yep. And Dwight is uh, digging his fingers <laughs> very aggressively and disgustingly through Pam's jelly bean dispenser. Mm-hmm. And is asking who took all the black ones, and he's also chewing them 
with his mouth open and you can see that he already has eaten some of the black jelly beans. His teeth are stained like kind of blue and he's like, he's really like, gross. Yeah, he's like gnashing. He it. is gnashing his teeth straight up in her face. Yeah. She looks like she's about to vomit. <laughs> of course. And, uh, <laughs> why just so shameless about it? Oh my God. Yeah. And he's still, he never stops digging through the jelly beans this entire scene. No. Yeah. Just finger, just fishing around through all the jelly beans, mm-hmm. looking for that one more black one. <laughs> And uh, he asks with his mouth full of beans uh, <laughs> how Oscar sounded when he called in. And Pam says he sounded sick, you know, sniffling. And Dwight says, well, how is he sniffling? Pam retorts, how many ways are there to sniffle? And he says, three. <laughs> and she says, okay, it was the second one. And he says, there, was that so hard? <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves and Pam immediately just takes the jelly bean dispenser and dumps all the jelly beans into the garbage. I think if I was Pam, honestly, I maybe would have just thrown away the dispenser too. I guess you can wash out the dispenser, but is it worth it? Right. (laughs) It's just going to happen again. I I probably would have done it when Dwight was like standing at the desk still. Yeah. (laughs) Just give me those. (laughs) Dump them. Yeah. So from here, we cut back to Hooters and, uh, Michael asks Jim what he likes most about Pam. And he says, you know, he really doesn't want to talk about this right now. And (laughs) Michael keeps going. He says, so what is it? Her legs? Her boobs? (laughs) He says, she's really easy to talk to. And she has a really good sense of humor. And uh, Michael is incredulous hearing this. He says, huh, you know, she never gets any of my jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love the look that Jim gives Michael after he says Mm -hmm. that of just, you know, like, yes, this is, you know, you're. You're proving my point. <laughs> and uh, Jim asks Michael, uh, so what about him? And he says, definitely her boobs. <laughs> and Jim says, that is not what he meant. That is not what I meant. I, I want to ask, what do you think Jim meant when he said, what about you? Because was he asking what Michael likes most about Pam? Like, I, I don't know what he's fishing for here. Yeah, I never really thought about it. I didn't until this watch through. Maybe maybe oh. Jim was getting at like, what do you like most about Jan? I guess so. Yeah, that but, that would make the most sense. But Jan has not come up in this episode. No, but yeah, yeah no, it it does seem like he specifically was looking for something, but who knows what? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it was, and I doubt it was fishing for things about Pam's personality no. either, for that matter. Definitely I don't not. know why he'd be asking Michael about Pam at all. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So anyway. Uh, this conversation gets broken up when a whole group of waitresses come over to the table and gather around it. They put a Hooters shirt on Jim with two balloons behind it, yeah. like breasts, mm-hmm. and start singing him happy birthday as Michael laughs. And Jim actually looks like he's at least a little bit genuinely amused by yeah. this, too. He's, I a, mean, good, he's, he's a good sport about it. Yeah, he's he... just incredulous that Michael did it, but yeah, he's not as shamed and disgusted as... He was with everything else Michael's been doing so far this lunch. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> from here we see uh, the office again. We see Jim and Michael coming back from lunch. Michael walks in first and then Pam asks Jim, what did they talk about when they were at lunch? And Jim says, oh, you know, politics and literature. <laughs> Holds up the Hooters shirt over his <laughs> chest while he says it. <laughs> Pam says, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from here we see Michael in his office. Dwight comes in and says he has an update about the Oscar investigation. He's interviewed every single person in the office. And 
Michael just cuts him off and says, just go to his house and see if he's sick. He could have finished the investigation. 20 minutes. <laughs> Michael says, including prep time, just go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, from here we see Ryan sitting in his desk and he's getting around to doing his own cleaning. He opens his desk drawer and there's nothing in it. <laughs> And we get a talking head where he is saying somewhat wistfully that if he had to, he could clean out his desk, be gone in 20 minutes. Nobody even would remember he was there. Oh, no. I think he says five seconds. Oh, he says five seconds? Yeah. Okay. And uh, eventually he'd forget to. <laughs> With a smile. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. He almost like starts like daydreaming. Like, I'd forget to. Yep. <laughs> What would my life be like if I just didn't have any memory of this office? <laughs> um, from here, we cut back to, we see over Jim's shoulder, uh, we see Michael in his office as he's looking at Jim. <laughs> yes. And then he reaches up and tussles his hair down into his face <laughs> to look similar to Jim's hairstyle uh, while staring. And then gets up to leave his office and we have yet another clip. <laughs> Expenses. Michael, is that a wig? No. That's. I wear it like that sometimes. Is that a wig? This is from Hooters. Yeah, it's a business lunch. Did Toby approve this? No, he did not. I don't need his permission. You just got your corporate credit card back. Do you really want me to take it away again? It's ridiculous. They took my card away because I spent 80 bucks at a magic shop. What they don't understand is that I bought the stuff to impress potential clients. So business related, right? I put a cigarette through a freaking quarter. And you know what, Toby? They almost bought from us. I'm not processing this. Look, Jim needed a relaxing lunch. He has been depressed and it has been affecting his productivity. How is that not work related? He seems fine to me. You're not his friend. You don't know. He is in love with a girl he works with who's engaged. So just cut me some slack, please. Pam? <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> he tried. I love the way he like grabs his disheveled hair. Yeah, when he asks when yeah, Kevin asks if it's a wig. Yeah. He's just yanking it off his scalp. <laughs> yeah. He asks Kevin if his hair's a wig. <laughs> his lack of hair. <laughs> I also like that uh Yeah, so it's like I was saying earlier in the episode the magic wand and the golf ball. Part of the magic tricks that right, he bought and right. tried to expense. And then uh I like that in the talking head. While he's explaining why he bought the magic tricks, he's mm -hmm. wearing a fake thumb. Right. Holding up his hand. Do you ever own a fake thumb or any magic uh, set? I did. Nice. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I feel like the fake thumb is one of the more convincing looking things in the magic set, yeah. especially when you hold it at a certain angle. You really... Yeah, because not many people are, you know, no, paying, and it's, paying yeah, attention you just, to your individual you digits. You can't look at it off to the side, but if it's just facing someone straight out, there's right. really no way to tell. Yeah, that's true. Even if it's not your skin tone, it's like close enough from yeah. that angle. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I also love Michael's intensity as he's saying, "I put a cigarette through a freaking quarter, and they almost bought from us." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from here we cut to the kitchen. 
And we see Angela and Phyllis cleaning out the refrigerator. Phyllis uh, excitedly asks Angela, who would she pick? Jim or Roy? And Angela says, it's nobody's business. Roy. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of, yeah, she smirks a little bit. Yeah, she's not turned towards Phyllis as she smirks or says it. Um, From here, we cut to the main area of the office, and Kevin is sitting next to Creed saying, Jim has got it bad for Pam. (laughs) Creed goes, ooh, which one's Pam? (laughs) Which one's Pam? (laughs) Kevin is like, well, well, she's, and then Michael comes out, and Kevin, or Jim, or yeah, Kevin immediately turns away from Creed and asks Michael if he thinks that Jim is going to try to break up the wedding. (laughs) And Michael gets very upset, and he says, Jim is a friend of his, so... You know, the only people that this crush concerns are Jim and Pam and him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From here, we cut to Dwight, who is now outside Oscar's house in his car, eating a sandwich, uh, staking it out. And he's explaining to the camera that a while ago, he suspected an old girlfriend of cheating on him uh, years back. So he tailed her for several nights. Turns out she was cheating on him with a couple of guys. So, mystery solved. <laughs> Just, yeah, no no emotion involved in that discovery no, at all. Not it's at all. Just like, yeah, I solved the mystery. It was great. It also makes me wonder, just from the way he phrased that and his lack of emotion, like, were they even dating? Like, or was this just someone that for Dwight, for whatever reason, thought yeah. that he was in a relationship with? Maybe they went out once <laughs> and she was dating other people. And he's just like, you were cheating on me with yeah. multiple people. That's a good question. I don't know. Was it was it nighttime by this point? when he? It's not. Had, okay. It's late afternoon, but it's still bright outside. Okay. It's, it's getting darker, but yeah, yeah still, right. still bright. Yeah. Um. So yeah, from here we cut back to the office and we see Jim leaving the bathroom and Kelly ambushes him as is a popular thing to do in the office ambush people as they leave the bathroom yep and says jim why did you never tell me you have a crush on pam and uh oh boy yeah from here we uh cut to yeah i think jim explains uh in a talking head that it gets the cats out of the bag you know he used to have a crush on pam and now he doesn't riveting riveting and from here we cut to uh kevin Talking to Jim now at Jim's desk, and it seems like they're talking about something business-related. Mm. Until Pam walks by, and Kevin says under his breath, nice. Yeah, because Jim kind of, like, watches Pam as yeah, she goes. kind of glances. And then once Jim makes eye contact with Kevin again, Kevin's like, nice. She is so hot. So hot. <laughs> it's very creepy. It is. <laughs> And uh, from here, we have yet another clip. Jim going to confront Pam now in the break room before everything kind of spirals out of a muck. Hey. Hey. Did you find anything good in your desk? Uh, coupon for a free sandwich. Score. Expired in August. And my cell phone charger from two years ago. Big day. Big day. Hey, uh, listen... Um, I told Michael on the booze cruise, that's so stupid, um, I told Michael that I had had a crush on you when you first started here. Oh. Well, I just thought that, I figured you should hear it from me. 
rather than, I mean, you know, Michael. Right. And seriously, it's totally not a big deal, okay? And when I found out that you were engaged, I mean, no, it was like, I, I know, know, like, I kind of, like, I, I thought that maybe you did when I first started. Oh, you did? No, I mean, just because we, like, um, got along. No, yeah, no, yeah, you saw it through me, great. <laughs> so are you going to be, like, totally awkward around me now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. And Pam, it was like three years ago, so I am totally over it. Cool. Okay. Awkward conversation. <laughs> it's weird that whenever it's a post clip and we're not laughing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was an awkward conversation. We can uh, fake laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to bring up, I thought it. it was already established that Pam was working at Dunder Mifflin already when Jim came on. Yeah, timeline is murky. A little bit. Yeah. Because the way it's framed, the way Jim framed it is, I had a crush on you when you started here. Later in the series, they also establish once again that Jim started after Pam. That's what I thought. Uh-huh. Because they talk about Pam leading Jim to his desk and telling him about Dwight. That's right. His life will never be the same after he meets his deskmate, Dwight. Oh. So, yeah, seems like a little continuity error. Maybe they both started on the same day. Each of them thought that the other person was there for a while, and neither of them ever corrected the other person. Pam had a five-minute orientation and sized Dwight up Yeah, in, like, ten minutes, and then Jim... Came in for his first day. I imagine Pam's orientation started with Michael asking her what her hopes and dreams were and ended with him telling her that he could bench press 250 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to mention that as Pam's leaving, Jim turns and says, and Pam, it was like three years ago and I'm totally over it now. And Pam's like, okay. And he's like, okay. And turns around and he goes back to making coffee. Mm -hmm. And you see Pam kind of like look at the ground for a second almost like she's disappointed before she actually walks out of the kitchen yeah just wanted to bring that up because you don't hear it no corner, I, so. yeah no i'm glad you did and i definitely noticed that too and i also feel like she yeah she has no reason at this point to disbelieve anything that jim is saying you know so right I feel like it's kind of just it is what it is and she yeah takes it in stride and she clearly has feelings for him. I don't know if she's acknowledged that to herself or admitted that to herself yet, but right. Yeah. She definitely seems a little bummed out by it, but she's playing it cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to disrupt the friendship they have. So, no. or she doesn't, I guess. Right. I don't know how you feel about disrupting it, Rob. <laughs> Home wrecker. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, it's a good scene. Important scene. Yeah. Yeah. Important for Jim and Pam, maybe for America. Um, <laughs> and from here, uh, we get back to Dwight in the car. And as you asked before, if it was dark now, it is dark. Yes. After this, uh, seemingly very long conversation with Jim and Pam. So that makes me wonder when we catch up with Dwight in this scene, 
is it just the way that the episode is edited together that this is further in the future than we are when the episode actually ends in the office? Probably not, actually, because think about it. The show takes place in Pennsylvania. In January. In January, so around 5 p.m. It's probably pretty dark, if not completely dark. Yeah, you're probably right. So I, I feel like it's plausible that everyone is still at the office. Okay. In previous watch-throughs, I always assumed that Dwight was like staking out Oscar's place until like 8 or 9 p.m. That could be, too, actually, because if you think about how... I mean, we're going to play the clip, but... You know, just to contextualize how it ends, he doesn't go back to the office after yeah. this. He you're... hangs out at the house with them, <laughs> seemingly just watching TV or a movie. So right. you're probably right. It probably, you know, I guess it would be dark at five, but it's probably after the workday, or at least the workday was just about ending when he was there. Yeah, okay. And furthermore, they established it's a Friday. Right. So, you know, he's getting a jump on the weekend, hanging out with Oscar. <laughs> Oscar and Gil. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's uh, check out the clip. Play that clip. Stand up. This is it. There he is. He's been gone for at least two hours. Who is that? Come to Papa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Let's roll. I knew it. Oh, man! You are so busted! Ice skates? Shopping bags? I think I know what's going on here. You weren't sick at all. Who's this? Uh, This is Dwight Schrute. Who is this? Gil. Are you going to tell Michael? How about this? I don't tell Michael, and in exchange, you owe me one great big giant favor, redeemable by me at a time and place of my choosing. Guess what I found out about Oscar tonight? He was lying about being sick. Should I have reported Oscar's malfeasance? Hmm, probably. But now I know something he doesn't want me to know. So I can use his malfeasance to establish leverage. Otherwise, it's just malfeasance for malfeasance's sake. Um, and yeah, I also want to point out just for our listeners that, uh, might not have watched this episode just recently or have it fresh in their mind that, um, when Oscar and Gil get out of the car, the first thing that we see them do before Dwight peels out, he's still watching them, mind you, but before he peels out in his car and pulls up the 15 feet from where he is into their driveway. Yeah. Very dramatically, uh, we see Oscar reach forward. And affectionately brush some hair out of Gil's eyes um, right. as he's holding shopping bags in each of his hands. Right. And then Dwight, you know, bursts up. And you can tell from the context of the scene that when Oscar says, are you going to tell Michael? It's not about him faking that he was sick. It's about him clearly being in a partnership with another man. And Dwight just is completely oblivious to all of it. Like yeah. He, does not make this connection whatsoever. Not even a consideration <laughs> in his mind. No, I, I think he barely even registers that Gil is there, let alone the significance of what that means. Right. And then we see that, uh, yeah, over the Dwight talking about using uh, it as leverage over Oscar, we see that Dwight has joined them inside their home, and he's sitting on the couch in between them watching TV, 
And then as he's lean, leaning forward, watching something excitedly, they're holding hands behind him until Dwight goes to lean back on the couch. And then they you know, <laughs> kind of break apart and put their hands above the couch. And Dwight just doesn't notice anything. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of guys hanging out on a Friday night. Yep. <laughs> in Dwight's eyes. And I mean, it is that. Well, yeah. There's, you know, more subtext, obviously, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's meet Gil, who uh, we don't see a lot of, but I feel like he's mentioned enough that he... In my mind, he has like a decent sized presence in the office. Yeah, I want to say there's one or two more episodes where he makes a brief appearance. Yeah, and I got to say, I, uh, I, I really have no strong feelings about Gil one way or the other right now. But after Pam's art show, I have an intense dislike for Gil. Oh, he's just a snooty jerk. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it's it. It's funny you brought that up in conversation earlier before we started recording, mm. and it got me thinking. I'm like. Why? When do we find out that Gil is so snooty? And now, oh, right. now I know. Yeah, you're right. Hotel art. Yeah. And then compares her to Van Gogh when he first painted. He painted the hands of the peasants. Just get off your fucking high horse, Gil. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Must get lonely up there. Just you and Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, let's talk about Gil. Gil is played by Tom W. Chick. He is an American television and movie actor and an independent journalist. Uh, his most prominent TV roles were as Gil in The Office and also as the hard-hitting reporter Gordon in The West Wing, which I don't know if you've seen. I have seen a few episodes. I don't know that I remember Tom Chick necessarily, though, from what little I've seen. Yeah, I don't. I've seen a handful of episodes of West Wing, but it was when it was still airing on TV, so... Hmm. Yeah. And it seems like what he primarily has done as a career and continues to do is he is a video game reviewer and writer. And, um, yeah, he used to be editor-in-chief of Fidget Gaming Blog, which has since closed. And now he maintains a gaming and movie blog on his website, Quarter to Three. And, um, yeah, in reading about him earlier, I ended up, I was talking to you about it earlier today, reading a review for Red Dead Redemption 2 and found... Him uh, to be a pretty great game reviewer. Yeah, I felt like I, I liked his writing style a lot, and he's a talented writer. He brought up a lot of good points about just the narrative structure of the game and mm. and about gameplay aspects, too, when he did touch on those. I enjoyed the way he wrote about them. And I also read there was some controversy in some of his reviews where he's rated certain things, very low ratings that were very popular over the years. And uh, I saw some interview where he was saying that when the original Deus Ex came out in 1999, which I personally think was a fantastic game, mm-hmm. he gave it a 90% negative review. Wow. And, uh, yeah, had I, I have not looked up this old review because I don't even know how easy it'd be to find something that's 20 years old at this point. If it was done before the Wayback Machine was active and it was never archived, it could just be mm-hmm. gone from back then. So it's hard to say. I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah. But uh, but anyhow, I saw an interview with him where he was saying that some people took it very personally and other reviews he's done, and he got some emails with pictures of people pointing a gun at the camera saying, like, make my day, you know, and just about his criticisms of games, and it seems like he never really let it affect him, which is good. Still yeah. pretty intense that people get that passionate about defending something that they had no part in the creative process of, but right. whatever. Well, what some, are you going to do? There's some passionate gamers out there that is the truth of it he said if anything he finds that uh that review of deus ex keeps coming back to haunt him because people use it 
as a platform to delegitimize his current opinions about games that if they if he rates something you know like he used mass effect 2 as an example i guess he didn't give that a super high rating and he said that he saw a big response on the internet of people being like well you know this is the guy that gave deus ex a horrible rating so what do you expect (laughs) wow but yeah it's interesting that uh that's mostly what he does is video game journalism it's a pretty niche field and seems like one that's not easy to break into yeah but he's been doing it for a long time so Wow. Yeah. Interesting guy. That is Tom Chick, Oscar's boyfriend, Gil. Yeah, I guess from here we have our final clip of the episode. All of these in the episode are back-to-back-to-back, by the way, but it seemed worth breaking them up to be able to talk about them. Yeah. And um, this is when we are back at the office. We see Jim entering Michael's office to confront him about how he spent the second half of his day. Hey. I know. I know. I know. Um, what happened? I, oh, just, um, you know, I was trying, just the expense reports, and then Toby, you know, he just, I know. I just, I just hope that, I just hope that this doesn't affect our friendship. (laughs) Stupid. It's so stupid. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Listen, man, it's... You know what? It's not a big deal. Well, okay. It's gonna I'm be fine. fine. No, I know. I'm good. I'm good. It's just... <laughs> Look. It's one day. Everything's gonna be all right? Yeah. No big okay. deal. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I, I love Michael's tearing up. I just yeah. hope this, this is gonna affect my friendship. <laughs> I love the emotional roller coaster leading up to that. Because <laughs> yeah. at first he's like, oh, I had these expense reports. And then Toby. Toby. <laughs> he gives it like, all on Toby. Yeah. Everything would have been fine if not for Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe true in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I guess it probably, knowing Michael, would have been a matter of I time. mean, if it hadn't been for Angela bringing it to Toby's attention. That's true. You know. It probably wouldn't have been hard to just slip that expense report through the system with, mm-hmm. without anyone really noticing. And how long would it be until, you know, somebody pays slightly more attention to Michael than they do on a normal day and, you know, hear him being like, hey, you want to talk about the, the P-A-M <laughs> situation? <laughs> it's code. <laughs> it's okay. We're talking in code. <laughs> uh, I love that Jim ends up comforting Michael. At the end of it. Well, yeah. Even though he's the wronged party. Right. <laughs> Jim walked in there and was, you know, pretty angry. And then as soon as Michael breaks down, <laughs> yeah. turns into this little pathetic blob, Jim's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It just feels bad. Yeah. I, I also love uh, that they hug it out and that oh, Jim walks no. over to Michael's desk and Michael hugs him and... Basically burrows the side of his face into Jim's crotch as he hugs him. And Jim very much notices and stares at the camera and, like, physically shoves Michael away the second he does it. And he's, like, patting the side of his, like, ass and his thigh as he's doing it. Oh, my God. Jim Jim has a look on his face that's just irritated and a little violated. He's, like, yeah, he's, like, embarrassed. And he almost looks at the camera like he's saying... Help me. Yeah, he's not (laughs) having a good time. Oh, God. (laughs) That is not the hug I was expecting. (laughs) Oh, poor 
Jim. <laughs> I also always liked this scene. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this. I can think of like a couple in my life, but the one that popped to mind when I was watching it and now was uh, once when I was in high school, I was parked at a red light or not parked, but stopped at a red light. Mm-hmm. And this woman smashed into the back of my car going about 20 miles an hour and i was driving the diesel steel body mercedes so barely dinged me yeah. but it you know it kind of tank. it shattered yeah one of my back lights and dinged up my bumper a bit uh-huh. and kind of wrecked up the front of her car and as we waited for the police to come to file a report and get the insurance all together which she didn't end up having mm-hmm. I ended up comforting her as she was crying and freaking out and getting upset. And I was just there on my way to school in the morning. Like, it's okay. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just hit my car. It's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. uh, It's funny. You say that when I got hit by a car while on my bike. Oh yeah. The picked you up from that. You did. The guy who hit me was being like super apologetic and like, Mm -hmm. you know, almost freaking out himself. So in a way I was almost, you know, I was kind of like Jim where I was angry, but at the same time, like it would almost be like, you know, kicking a a dog that already felt sorry for what it did. Yeah. So I didn't freak out on him in the deposition. I ended up giving for, you know, my claim. Uh He had said that I was suspiciously calm. (laughs) Yeah, that wow. was one of his arguments to like try and, you know, weasel out from accepting responsibility for what he did. What a piece of work. Yeah. So he also made up a whole bunch of stuff that yeah. satellite images disproved immediately in the middle of the deposition. So, you know what, random bad driver? You deserve no crotch hugs. Agreed. You get nothing. No crotch hugs for you. No. I picked up Rob from that accident. He was broken, he was bleeding all over my car. He was battered. He was bruised. He was barely comprehensible. Well, he was babbling. No, like a madman. Everything else other than the incomprehensible is largely true, though. Trying to help you out, Rob. (laughs) We can squeeze a little more money out of this guy. You're ruining everything. (laughs) Indeed. Now it's on the record. Now it's on the record. No fixing it. Well, I pick up the check tomorrow morning before this episode airs. So hey, I'm in the clear. All right. Nice. (laughs) Well, at least it all worked out in the end. It worked out for me with that woman hitting me too. A lot less traumatic for me than that was for you. I didn't have to get surgery or anything. And yeah. She ended up just paying me a couple hundred bucks in cash. I think that was, you know, covered the damages. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've been lucky with people hitting my car. It's, it's been at least three or four times that people hit me and said that they don't want to go through their insurance because their rates will go up. And I, for whatever reason, trusted them. And then they came through in the end and paid me in cash. Didn't try to mess me over. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as long as you have their information. Yeah, I always made sure that if they did try to screw me over, I would have some leverage to at least try to navigate things with their insurance company and some proof of what happened. Yeah. But even so, I never had to utilize any of that stuff. So, got lucky. All right. Yeah. Worked out. So, yeah. From here, we uh, close to the end of the episode. We see Ryan finishing his spring cleaning in January rounds. Yes. Makes his way to Creed and uh, asks him. Uh, it looks like he's just checking things off a list at this point. Right. Making sure everybody's completed their individual tasks. Yes. He asks Creed if he got around to organizing the menus, which of all the 
cleaning tasks that one could have, that seems like pretty much the easiest one to get. How does one organize menus alphabetically by genre of food? I was assuming you just gather them all together and put them in one drawer or one folder or one place. Are there menus just strewn throughout this entire office? I can see menus being strewn about an office after a while. I feel like offices I've worked in, if there's a communal pile of menus in a break room or something of local places and someone takes one to their desk or their workstation and orders and they forget to bring it back, I, I feel like menus can be left around random spots. Interesting. Yeah. How do you go about finding the stray menus? I guess that's really up to Creed. Well. Not so much. Not so much. (laughs) As we'll find out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess maybe Creed had a similar thought and decided it was not a task worth doing. (laughs) He said to Ryan, he says to Ryan, uh, he thought that was more of a volunteer basis. Ryan says, no, no, that was mandatory. Creed just smiles at him and says, oh, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was a volunteer thing. And then turns back to his computer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's that yeah that's that ryan kind of rolls his eyes and, and just walks, walks away, away. Yeah. yeah he he knows he's worked here long enough to know there's there's nothing to be gained yeah. by going down this road no <laughs> um and we see pam enter michael's office looks like she has some papers for him to sign or something and uh she sees that michael is upset and asks him what's wrong and he tries to explain himself says no it's nothing and uh tries to kind of you know continue covering for the damage he did with mm-hmm. her and jim and set the record straight and says, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, when Jim told me about how he had a crush on you on the booze cruise and Pam immediately is just like, wait, like, you know, yeah, she says, oh, no, no, I already talked yeah. to Jim about it. It was a long time ago. It's fine. And Michael corrects her, says, well, it wasn't that long ago. Right. You know, it was on the booze cruise. And she says, he, he told you about it on the booze cruise or he had a crush on me on the booze cruise. And. Michael, for once in his life, sees where this is going and says, shut it, Michael. Yeah, he says it to himself. Yeah. I love that. Just shuts himself down. Says, yeah. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. And, he uh, does it. It's almost like he's like somebody who's cutting off an interview. He's like, nope, I'm done. I'm yeah. not saying another word. I'm out. And uh, Which nobody does in normal conversation. You can't just opt out of. No. <laughs> it was really funny to me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And uh, so Pam leaves his office knowing now that clearly what Jim explained to her is not the whole story. Right. Something's By not, not saying anything, Michael kind of did end up. Yeah. I mean, he said enough, you know, yeah. if he had corrected Pam and said, oh, no, he told me about it on the booze cruise. Right. Then everything would have been OK. But exactly. at the same time, Michael, I feel like as bad as what Michael does is he isn't really privy to enough information to be able to fix it in a way that he could be sure fixes it. Cause That's he doesn't know too. what they said to each other. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's not like Jim came in and said, Hey, you know, I told Pam this, this, and this. So if she asks you about it, you know, be right. on board with it. And nor did Jim even really lay out like a, a stringent timeline no. of his feelings for Pam to Michael when he initially confided in him. So no. Yeah. He says, I mean, he tells Michael, I used to have a crush on Pam, but I mean, for all we, for all Michael knew that crush could have died just minutes before when Roy again asked Pam to marry him. Yeah. But I think Michael also, I mean, for one thing that comes up at right after Michael says to Jim, it's good for him because his friend got engaged and Mm -hmm. Jim looks at anything but pleased. And then he brings that up to Michael. So I feel like even though Michael is completely oblivious, he has at least a base level of emotional intelligence enough to know that 
this crush is still going on even if he yeah. doesn't say it okay yeah i would agree with that and then it's also as jim was explaining why he had a crush on pam mm-hmm. and michael sees how much like he's still obviously emotionally affected by it yeah and that's when he tells him to never give up yeah so yeah that that sentiment alone tells me that michael knows that there's still feelings there oh for sure so yeah and okay. i mean he's been acting off that presumption the whole episode you know this must right. be torture, this must for, be you. torture yeah. for you yeah you're right yeah, you doing with everything with you know the whole pee. Pee situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one case where michael exhibits a little more awareness than he usually does and it only serves to make things more difficult for everyone around him this is also another example of uh when michael says or claims that he was the one who brought them together yeah this is another example of him kind of putting his thumb on that scale it's true you know oh even if he's not doing it so much because he's seeing what would happen if he puts his thumb on the scale he's kind of stumbling backwards and falling on the scale thumb first no it's all (laughs) it's all by accident but but uh, yeah no you're 100 percent right he's still urging them in this direction Mm -hmm. if uh if he never did this she would be Pamela Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, after this, uh, after Michael shuts himself off, Pam leaves his office <laughs> and we see Jim kind of come up to her desk uh, and ask if she wants to walk out with him. Mm-hmm. And she says, yeah. And we can see that he's acting like everything is back to normal, but she is looking at him in a very different light now, just staring up at him while they're getting in the elevator. Yeah. Just, Clearly, she knows that this, yeah, this matter is not settled. Right. And that there's still feelings. Yep. And she is, you know, intrigued. She doesn't seem freaked out by it. She seems, you know, interested. Right. And. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like she wants to explore it a little bit more. Maybe not outwardly. Yeah. In the open, but. Definitely looking at Jim in a new light. Yeah. Agreed. And it's not a negative light. No. Um, so yeah, and from here, as they're getting on the elevator, the episode ends with Michael talking over, uh, them leaving about how people come to him all the time with secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not true. No. (laughs) And how he doesn't like knowing secrets. It always leads to trouble. He says last weekend he was watching Cinemax and he saw portrait of a prostitute or something. More secrets of a call girl. (laughs) And... One of the characters, Shyla, found out a secret, and she was on the run because of it, and was working in a bordello in Malibu, and hiding out, and Michael doesn't want to live like that. He doesn't want to be Shyla. He likes being Michael Scott. (laughs) And that is the end of the episode. (laughs) There actually is no show called More Secrets of a Call Girl. No, no, really? Yeah, there is something like that, though, isn't there? I think there is Secrets of a Call Girl. Okay. And there might be a sequel, but it's not called More Secrets of a Call Girl. Fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. Indeed. How would Michael get it right? <laughs> Shall we move on to ratings? Let's do it. I got nothing to add unless you do. Rate it up. Let's do it. It's on you, buddy. Let's rate it. Ratings are on... Rating it. You. I'm I don't just... know what I'm doing. I'm trying to aggressively say... Let's rate it. I'm not going to lie. I feel really uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's your expression. It's your intensity. It's the proximity that you're sitting to me. I just... just Trying to get hyped for the ratings. Oh, God. (laughs) Get get out of here. (laughs) 
ratings. All right. What you got for us, Rob? It's on me. It's all on you. I just hope you don't randomly take my unit that I decided to go with while you were in the bathroom. That's that's the best part about getting to go first. It's true. <laughs> you potentially steal my unit. I think I think I've got a pretty good one. Me too. So we'll see. All right. Uh-oh. <laughs> I Rob am going to give this episode of The Office the secret. <laughs> I rate this episode nine gym bags out of ten. Ooh, that's a good one. Gym yeah. bag. That's better than the one I thought of. Now I'm a bit yeah. jealous. I'm I wish sorry. I thought of gym bags. No, yeah. it's okay. Even if I thought of it, you would have taken it. So I'll let you know what my backup unit was gonna be after you give yours. I don't wanna I don't okay. wanna I don't wanna step on any toes. Well before we move on to that, uh you wanna expound on your rating? Give us your oh, yeah, MVP. Yeah. No, I was I was gonna work on it. I really it. I really love this episode. It's a great one. Great plot. You know, pushes the overall plot forward a lot. You know, these last three episodes. Well, really, the booze cruise and this episode mm-hmm. in their own way really push it forward. You know, I was hoping for the the hat trick three ten out of tens in a row, but ah. and I really like this episode. I just didn't think standing up to the booze cruise and the client and the injury that it was in that same realm. I'm with you. It's big shoes to fill. Cause it I is. also thought about whether or not I wanted to give it a 10 and ultimately decided to not go that way. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, overall, really overall, yeah, I still really like this episode. Good story I, development. in, in making my notes for our podcast while watching, I made the mistake again of sitting next to my girlfriend while <laughs> rewatching and, those Hooter scenes, I cringed a little bit harder than I <laughs> normally do when I'm alone, mainly because she cringed pretty hard at those scenes. I like it. If anything, that makes it better. You know, you have <laughs> more emotional involvement. Yeah. No, it's true. It, it's, it is, it is funny watching episodes like this in that context because, yeah, those, the, like the sexist humor, not that it's, you know, super. Malicious. Malicious. I, I, why do I have a hard time saying that word on this show? I don't know. Anyway. But no, it's not. But. It's not super malicious sexism, but it's still got a little bit of that in there. Yeah, totally. And yeah. It's just, you know, this day and age, everyone's hyper aware about stuff like that. So mm-hmm. came across a little different. But I don't know if that affected my rating so much. No, but like you said, it's, I mean, it sounds like if anything, just instead of you know, simply hearing Jim's, oh, you kind of felt it <laughs> as well. It. It's very true. It's very true. Just like, oh. Yeah. It's uh, not so much empathizing as sharing an experience. Right. <laughs> and as far as my MVP goes, I got to give it to Dwight. Dwight Again. K. Schrute. Yes. I, uh, I really, really love that scene with the jelly beans. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Had I been Jenna Fisher, if I could have filmed that scene without breaking at least once. That would have been a tough one. Because it's just such such a grotesque scene with Dwight. Like, his lips are, like, peeled back onto his face as he's and just... his teeth are all stained. Dashing these dark mm-hmm. black jelly beans. Oh, my God. And he's chewing with his mouth open as he speaks. Yeah. 
It's it's all bad. Talking about <laughs> nose sniffling and <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Cool. It's on you. Well, I think I'm gonna join your rating actually, but I determined on the way over, not not beforehand. Well, okay. Before on the way over, probably too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna join you in a rating of nine out of ten. Uh, but I'm gonna use the unit of uh, the second kind of sniffle. Oh, nice. That's my rating. <laughs> Um, so my, nine out of ten of the second of three. My backup circles. unit was going to be Up Dog. Oh, nice! Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. What's Up Dog? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think for the MVP, I'm going to have to give it to Michael this week. Mm. He is the cringiest part of the episode <laughs> to me. Absolutely. It's just really hard to watch some of these scenes. I will forever cherish and love the peach iced tea scene as one of my favorite <laughs> Michael interactions with anybody in the whole series. Yes. Just showing off just spiteful baby Michael. You're going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I feel like his ire for Stanley just in that one scene almost matches his ire for Toby all the time. It's true. Just because it's, you know, this is his one chance to finally connect with Jim on a deep emotional level. And Stanley's just there, taking a sweet time to order a drink, figure out what he wants, and just ruining everything. <laughs> and I love that there's the whole episode, for half of it, it's just Michael basically following Jim around the office, just confronting him everywhere he goes. So true. Starting up trying to talk to him about Pam. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just so. really trying to make that friendship blossom. Yeah. That's how, I mean, it's funny because this is, this isn't the only time we see Michael like aggressively go after a new budding relationship. No. You know what I mean? And then we see, I love the juxtaposition when Andy joins the show and joins the Scranton office, how we see Michael suddenly on the opposite side of that and how he can't stand it. It's driving him up the wall and he... I just love that voiceover. I mean, now we're getting way ahead of Michael just talking about Andy, kind of looking out as blind, saying he just doesn't understand how somebody could lack that level of self-awareness. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and it's just, it's fun to see that, uh, you know, once the shoe's in the other foot. My, how the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to join you with a nine. It's uh, almost perfect. But, you know, as you said, just not quite up to the yeah the high level set out by those other aforementioned episodes. I can't really put my finger on why necessarily, but... I, I would say it's not so much that it has anything that detracts so much as it just has less mm. goodness just crammed in there in every level. I yeah. mean, it's still everything... I can't think of any complaints about the episode at all, but... No. Compared to some of the standout episodes like the booze cruise or the injury or... Mm-hmm. Even though this doesn't come up for a while, I would say Beach Day I would throw into that mix. Yeah. And, you know, a whole bunch of other ones, realistically, too. Mm-hmm. There's just something about those that make them really stick out in my memory for a long time. Whereas this episode, you know, even though I knew the title of The Secret, what it was about, I didn't necessarily remember that it was the same episode with the B-plot about Oscar being sick mm. or that spring cleaning was happening. So I feel like with outside of the whole Michael and Jim dynamic and Pam... Yeah, I feel like the other things, I mean, it's a Just, big moment yeah. of discovering, you know, Oscar's sexuality and how Dwight doesn't, but we as the viewers do. Right. But still, I feel like it all just kind of, it's not as memorable as some of the other things they've done in other episodes. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. That was also a uh, 
I mean, it's really only revealed to the audience that Oscar's gay because mm-hmm. it's Dwight's totally oblivious to what was actually happening when he discovered Gil and Oscar together. But yeah, that is uh, honestly, I would argue that's a bigger secret than what the A plot was about this whole time. It is. And I think the office likes to do that a lot. Yeah. Where they'll have, uh, you know, kind of the A and the B plot are the same concept, but one mm-hmm. of them is given much more focus while the other one is somewhat of a bigger deal. There's a lot more weight behind it, yeah. Like, think about much later in the series where, uh, without diving into too much about what it's about, where Michael tells Andy something that Andy did not know, that Andy should have known. Right. And then abruptly leaves and goes to New York. And the whole episode for Michael is about how, you know, like David Wallace basically just tells him he's doing a good job when he thought he was in trouble. Right. And how exciting it is for Michael that, you know, you leave Scran, exciting things could happen every now and again. You never know. Whereas he, the events he set in motion prior to leaving were (laughs) arguably the most exciting events the office has seen probably in years. Very true. (laughs) But Michael just isn't there for any of that. And he thinks he's the star of the show. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I definitely agree with you there that, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like for the TV show in general, the Pam and Jim plot's bigger. If we're talking about these Agreed. people as if they're real people with real lives, yeah, then that is a more significant thing to find out than just some random crush. You're right. But, uh, yeah, if Oscar was a main character on the same level with Jim or Pam, I would say then it's a bigger deal, but mm-hmm. he never quite makes it to that level. Yeah. But I'm surprised they didn't explore Dwight and Angela's relationship a little bit more in this episode even if even if they had just peppered in one more scene of them with their secret you know yeah there there was secrets going on yeah exactly (laughs) there was that one exchange with kevin where kevin was like what is going on (laughs) i think part of what also makes the dwight and angela relationship enjoyable at least to me is that they give you so few details pretty much up to the moment where the relationship is effectively ending that's the first time you ever actually see them outside of the office together. That's true. And I, I think part of the fun of that relationship is that considering the kinds of people both of them are, it leads you to wonder, like, what does it even look like when they're spending time together on good terms? And I think that it's one of those situations where anything that they shoot or come up with is inevitably not going to be as good as whatever your imagination comes up with. Yeah, that's, so that's true. It's kind of more effective to just let that be. What is it that Dwight... Well. We're probably getting too far ahead, but yeah, it's okay. We can always edit it out if we have to. Uh, what is what does Dwight have of Angela's in the bed and breakfast episode? There's a little cherub statue. Yeah, there you go. She kept on his nightstand. Why? And... Yeah, why did Angela bring that to Dwight's house? Well, I guess if she likes to sleep near that for whatever reason. If she <laughs> okay, likes but to... this is still lending to like, what does their relationship look like when? We're not seeing them together on camera. Like that is kind of a weird oh, yeah. thing to do. Well, I, I mean, I, my takeaway from why she had that cherub statue over there was just for at least a while, she was spending more nights at his place than she was at her own place. So, you know, she just brought over. Still weird. Well, yeah, she's also Angela. If I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was dating, I mean, it's almost, I mean, your argument is that it's like, yeah, she was just bringing her stuffed bear to bed. I mean, kind of, because it's Angela, <laughs> know, but, but all a stuffed still... bear would be weird for an adult, too. Well, yeah. I, I feel like if we're, let's say it was you, not Angela, I feel like it would be the equivalent of you, like, having a guitar 
at someone at a significant other's place that you're not living with. But you I know? can play the guitar and practice it. What can you do with a little cherub statue? Play and practice it. I don't and know. also, why, an ocarina? I why don't is that the one thing that Dwight is clinging to as he mourns their relationship ending? I mean, it's the only thing she brought over to his place. <laughs> <laughs> Small cherub statue. Yeah. But yeah. And he uh, had his toothbrush over at her place, which she left on the tire of his car for him. Oh, right. <laughs> of all places to leave a toothbrush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, it, like you said, you know, it's just uh, one more detail. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. And I feel like the little glimpses we do get are great, like the cherub statue or like them at dinner when, you know, she asks Dwight how his meat is and he says, dry, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just it's like Creed, you know. If you give too much, it takes away from the magic. Yeah, fair you want enough. just enough to keep it intriguing. Fair enough. Yeah, I like it. Well, that's my story. All I'm right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, we still got a couple stickers left, but we're running low. We are. So if you're interested, send us a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher mm-hmm. with your address, and we'll send you some stickers. We got them. Hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. You could have them too. And I'll need to remember, this is a little reminder for myself to ask my sister about spreading around her sweet artistic abilities. Yes. Oh, I almost forgot something. Yeah, I was thinking we could explore a new mini segment of the show for right now. Okay. The email surveillance section of the series. Okay. Where we go over, uh, you know, any correspondence we had with fans of the show oh yeah and uh obviously not surveilling their emails because that'd be weird and intrusive and as far as i know impossible so well i mean not impossible but my level you're freaking out our viewers here let's just (laughs) just cut to the chase i'm gonna explain it a little bit more (laughs) kind of bounce around the issue before we get to it and i'm gonna keep talking because i'm trying to find what i was looking for and i didn't have it in front of me anymore because i put it down um but i wanted to give a shout out to Seth, new friend of the show. Friend of the show, Seth. Yeah, who wrote to us with an insight about Booze Cruise that um, we did not mention during the episode, but is a good insight nonetheless. Oh, yeah. A little bit of a spoiler. But um, yeah, he wrote to us that it didn't hit him until tonight when he watched the episode after listening to the podcast that um, it's ironic when Roy sets a date with Pam, Captain Jack offers to marry them on the boat and Pam declines, saying she wants her family there. But if we fast forward to the show, Pam and Jim get married on a boat by a captain without their families there. Boom. Yeah. So, good little insight from Seth. Thank you, Seth. Yeah. And uh, if anybody else has anything to add that we forgot or didn't mention or any insights that escaped us, let us know and we'd be happy to give you a shout out, send you some stickers. Who knows where it's going to go? Soon, we, at that point, we might have other merch. We could, might. You can get for free. T-shirts, mugs. Hats. Hats, water bottles. Yeah. Maybe fill some. Fill them with orange juice. Really get you in the fillings. Temporary tattoos. Of temporary my, tattoos. Of my face or Dan's face. Non-temporary tattoos of our faces. Yeah. We can send you out a little tattoo gun kit and yeah. some ink, some sterilized needles. I mean, there's really no end to where we can go with this. <laughs> Actually, I'd prefer to send our pictures directly to the tattoo artist. So the Ooh. person getting it doesn't even know what we look like. I like that. Prior to getting their tattoo. And then they just have like a, I mean, we got to really vet these tattoo artists to see if they're good at portrait <laughs> tattoos. I don't care. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to vet my tattoo artist. If you get a tattoo of Rob's face in your body, you're you're really gambling with fire, venomous snakes, hey, nuts. A lot of people want this face tattooed on their body, okay? Okay. I mean, I've already got three tattoos of your face on my body. I've got none. Of your face? Of any. Anything. Well, now I feel really hurt and embarrassed. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. Are you, Rob? One day, maybe. <laughs> That's what you said last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting weird. So I'm going to cut us off. All right. Take it easy, paper people. Later. Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.